This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. Of all the new initiatives introduced in recent years by Racing New South Wales, none have been more widely acclaimed than the weekly Tab Highway races. Introduced four years ago, the Tab Highways have proven to be a tremendous stimulus for country racing stables as new owners constantly look for the right horses to bring to town. At first, trainers like Matt Dunn, Danny Williams and Terry Robinson dominated the highways, but nowadays the results prove that many and varied stables have learned to identify the kind of horse they need to travel down the highway. $75,000 in prize money and an assortment of race distances are making these races highly competitive and stimulating healthy betting trends. The Tab Highways are a big part of the new world of Sydney racing. Thoroughbred action continues at Royal Randwick and Gosford over Christmas New Year. This is segment two with Scott Darby, founder and managing director of Darby Racing. The 2016 English Classic Sale was the venue for your next amazing bargain purchase. $20,000 for a Manhattan Rain filly. She was named She Will Rain. She won six from 12, $3.2 million in prize money. A life-changing win for Derby Racing and for trainer Gary Portelli was her golden slipper success. Yes, and it was um, very interesting because uh, when you get these Group 1 horses, you don't realise the uh, energy it saps out of you. You think it's all, you know, beer and Skittles with these Group 1 winners, but it really does take it out of you. And uh, we just come off the back of Yankee Rose, um, unplaced in the Oaks, and feeling like we need a little bit of a rest from the not used to all this hype. Uh, along came She Will Rain, who, who made a debut probably six weeks later, um, running just a tick outside the track record at Kembla. And I remember saying to my team at the time, I think here we go again. Mm. And uh, not that we were complaining, but uh, we knew at least what we are in for this time. Well, when she went out for the slipper of her year, the track was a bog. It was a heavy 10 I think uh, you and Gary Portelli envisaged her racing somewhere near the lead, but wasn't it Ben Mellum who suggested she should go back and then try and cut the corner? Well, I'll share a little story with you. I do, I, I do most mornings exercise on the treadmill, and uh, we'd been beaten in the lead-up run on a on a heavy track, so the mood had suddenly shifted downward a little bit after winning all the starts and. Uh, I was running on a treadmill and I had this clear vision. I remember it clearly that uh, the barrier was already drawn, that we're going to go back, up along the fence, right up the fence and win the golden slipper. It was as clear as day. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, geez, do I share this with Gary and Ben of how I think, you know, it's a little bit out there, you know, I've had this vision. Mm. And uh, anyway, I did a conference call that stuff and I, I've, got to, I've got to do it. I've got to share what I've seen. Mm. and uh, just see what they've got to say. And uh, I shared the vision and there was silence on the phone. And I think Gary was the first one that says, yeah, well, we'll look, we'll, we'll just have to see how the, the day plays, I guess. I thought, well, at least I've got it off my chest. Mm. But the way Ben wrote it, I can tell you, was 
110% exactly how I saw the vision. It's, it, it, I, I don't know what that was about, but it is exactly how it came off. And if you watch the overhead shot, you'll see how the Red Sea just parted for him up the inside fence. And one of those horses stuck to the fence. He couldn't keep proceeding up the fence and making all those runs like he did before taking the lead into the straight. Um, he would have been back in the field copying mud after mud. A memorable day for yourself and all of your associates with Derby Racing, an unforgettable day for Gary Portelli and for all of those owners. I, I think that slipper win by She Will Rain uh, saw racehorse syndication in this country take a giant leap forward. I think it's always been very popular and really well done here in Australia. I mean, we've got some fantastic syndicators throughout Australia. I mean, Denise Martin's been a stalwart at Star Thoroughbreds and there's so many good syndicators. It really does bring so many people into racing. Um, it's well regulated and um, I think without syndication, you'd be you'd be missing a, a big hole in racing. Um, it's uh, given every person out there an opportunity to experience the highs uh, of racing um, you know, as we've just discussed, ten and twenty thousand dollar horses. Your mums and dads are experiencing what the biggest owners are experiencing. It's, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing in Australia. She will reign. Had one more taste of Group One glory by winning the Moyer Stakes the following spring. I made a point of watching that race, Scott. She was absolutely explosive that night. Yeah, it was quite extraordinary, to be honest. Um, you, you know, look, again, looking back at uh, other good two-year-olds that we've had, we're worried whether she could make that step as a three-year-old, whether they'd caught up to her. Um, she was right back in the field. The pace was on. She had to make a wide run. You thought, wow, this is, this is over. And that last 200 metres was just absolutely unbelievable. We did think we got beat on the line on the angle where we were right on the fence, but when our number went up, it was euphoric in the uh, in the mounting yards. The owners went bananas. She was very, very impressive. She went on to run in the inaugural Everest, finished out of a place but far from disgraced. Yeah, ran a terrific race in the Everest, and that's probably coming out of that race, she just started to have a few little niggling issues. Um, and... Um, we, we had a massive offer again from Japan on the filly, um, which we ended up doing a deal to race on and they take over. But in that last preparation, um, a couple more niggling issues came up and uh, it was voted on that we decided to retire her, not disgrace and leave her record intact, and she went off to stud. Of all the nice horses you've syndicated, you'd have to say Samadout has been the most pleasant surprise. Ten wins, ten placings, well over a million dollars. Last preparation, he went from a nice, handy Saturday horse to a Group 1 winner. You actually bred this horse, Scott. Another great example of, of uh, a horse, you know, for not a lot of money that can hit the highest level. Uh, myself and Gary Bachel, who bred, um, he actually bred She Will Rain. Our first little partnership in breeding was to buy uh, Samadout's mother in foal to not a single doubt. 
Um, he had 75% of a ride, 25%, and the idea was just to have a bit of fun and send it to the sales. So um, we sent him to the sales. We turned up at the sale with not a lot of expectation and then um, we're told, look, probably not going to bring huge money. He's not overly popular, and I couldn't really work out why. I thought he's a very neat colt with plenty of improvement. And uh, he, he owed us probably forty or $50,000 to, to get out of it. And I said, look, Gary, we're going to sell. We'll put a reserve of 40. He said, I'm happy to go to 40 on him. Get back. I, I think he's quite a nice horse. I landed on the horse. I actually think Clary Connors was actually the underbidder, funny enough. Mm. And he um, he ended up in the stable of Bjorn Baker. And he did race in a breeder's plate. So he showed a little bit, little bit of something early. Um but probably for the most part of his early career, he looked destined to be sort of a midweek type of horse of ability-wise. But um, he certainly just continued to improve and improve and certainly took massive steps at the end of last preparation and the preparation before where he won the Canberra Cup. Mm. But um, but to win a Group 1 and a Group 2 with him uh, certainly knocked us out of the park. Uh, we didn't expect that at all. Mark Newnham is probably your principal trainer currently with about 20 horses in work for Derby Racing Syndicates. You tell me Mark is uh, great to deal with. He calls a spade a spade. In fact, he can be brutally honest. Yeah, Mark's terrific. There's, there's, he's uh, obviously had a great grounding under Gay. Being a jockey, I think, is certainly a, a plus he gets on and rides them himself. He's very close to the mark in telling us what he thinks of a horse. His communication is excellent. And as you said, he, he calls a spade a spade. There's no muck around with Mark. Uh, no funny business. He's just straight to the point. So we, we love that about him. And, and just, the, just the way he can really uh, articulate to us and the owners where he thinks a horse is at, um, particularly leading into a race. Mark's had great success for you with Graceful Glamour, who ran second in the Victorian Oaks in 2018. Celestial Falls has a Flemington win to her credit. Blazing Miss has won almost 180000 and he's currently training a spectacular-looking filly called Every Rose, who's Magic Millions bound. Now, she wasn't a cheapie, Scott, $160,000, and you bought her with an all-female syndicate in mind. Yeah, I guess you touch on there the uh, price point. I mean, look, our business model is is to syndicate horses at all levels. We've probably increased our, our bracket a fair bit in the last two years, and I suppose that comes with success. But we'll syndicate shares at anywhere as low as $500, $600, right up to twenty dollars or $30,000 a share. So there's something for everyone out there. But, yeah, she was she was 160000 a really nice filly, and probably bought off the back of uh, we bought the half-brother the year before whose name is Academy, mm-hmm. and uh, he shows a lot of promise. He, he won his first two starts before um, he went in favourite into a stakes race, and he, he, he's back in training and ready to start racing again shortly. But we saw her and just fell in love with her. I thought she was the ideal two-year-old type, and... Uh, Thus far, she's uh, certainly given the owners plenty of thrills and hopefully a bit more to come yet. She was wonderful in winning the Jim Crack Stakes. Uh, she had a little blow after that and then she ran second in the Wyong Magic Millions the other day to Farnan. May have just needed that run, Scott. Would I be correct in that? Absolutely. She only had three weeks off from the Jim Crack 
and it was a little bit of a rushed effort to get her to there. Mark always said, look, I'll have about 80% fit. Um, she may get away with it just on raw ability, but um, she'll certainly improve from there and we can decide whether we give her another run or go straight to the Magic Millions. All kudos to the winner, fun and rock hard fit. Took the, went to the front and, you know, never looked back. But um, I think uh, you'll see a fairly improved filly come the next start on the 28th. You've already acknowledged the efforts of Gary Portelli and Bjorn Baker, but there are several other trainers who have a set of Derby racing colours in their possession. Uh, they are Kim Ward, David Pfeiffer, Team Hawks, Brad Widdup, Stuart Kendrick, David Van Dyke, uh, Matt Dale at Canberra. Uh, you also send horses to the bush when they're not measuring up in town and you support Cameron Crockett at Mudgee and just recently Matt Dunn has joined the team. Yeah, and also Matt Smith there at Warwick Farm. But, yeah, it's great to have those terrific country trainers because not every horse obviously can measure up in town or even at provincial. And um, it's proven time and time again with a great trainer like Cameron Crockett. We've been able to pass horses on that um, our city trainers feel aren't up to the, to the mark. And Cameron's done a wonderful job with, with horses. I mean, I remember a horse even like um, Vintage Flyer, um, had a couple of trials with Bjorn and he really didn't think she was measuring up. We we shifted her straight out there and within six months she'd won her first three starts with Cameron, which is just great for the owners to get a return mm. uh, with the prize money so strong in the country these days. If you form the conclusion that a certain horse is best suited in the bush, what's the procedure? Do you put it to the vote with syndicate members? Absolutely. Our product disclosures or, or partnership agreements are all about majority rules. Uh, at that moment, it's a 51% majority. We'll give our recommendation along with the trainers and then it's up to the owners to decide what they want to do. Um, if we think the horse is, is no good at all, then we will obviously recommend just to sell it on. Um, if we feel there's you know, wins to be had out in the bush, we'll, we'll certainly recommend that way. Um, and uh, most of the time, the horses that go out to the country, eventually they win their races. Some go on and, and win quite a few races. The catalogue for the 2020 Classic Yearling Sale is now available. In total, 808 yearlings have been catalogued over three days, 613 in Book 1, 195 in the Highway Session. Book 1 will take place on Sunday, February the 9th, Monday the 10th and the morning of the 11th with the highway session beginning as soon as book one is completed. The classic sale has produced eight group one winners since 2018, including four group one winning two-year-olds or three-year-olds in Sydney and Melbourne. Of the 808 lots catalogued, 734 are Bob's eligible. To request a catalogue, email catalogue at inglis.com.au or call 9399-7999. Catalogues are also available for the Inglis Premier Sale in Melbourne, March the 1st to March the 3rd. The 2020 Inglis Yearling Sale Round is about to begin. I'm interested to hear that, like many other syndicators, you've now entered the international market. And you recently purchased a promising stayer in Ireland with the curious name of Harpo Marx. 
Now, he's a three-year-old cult. He's by the iconic Galileo. He's out of an Australian mare, Nikita, who had an enormous amount of talent when she raced under the Patternack banner. This bloke's had only one race start, uh, Scott, Harpo Marks. You must have got good reports. Actually, no, you, you might have been on the wrong form side. He's had a handful of starts. Ah, yeah. Uh, yep. He's um, All credit goes to DeBerg Equine. Hubie DeBerg is a good friend of Derby Racing who joined our team probably oh, three or four years ago. Uh, he does a couple of the yearling sales out here, but he, he well, I was introduced to him uh, regarding international horses through James Harron, who worked under him, and he's a terrific fella. He identified this horse as a possible purchase off the Coolmore Group, who sell plenty of horses to go on that go on and win good races. Um, and uh, little did we know when we bought Harpo Marks, he ran second uh, to a horse called Il Paradiso before oh. he came out to the to the Cup. Mm. Um, and actually, if you watch the race, which is back in I think May. Mm. He actually should have probably beat him. He's, uh, the, the jockey sort of lost his way a little bit with his hands over the last the last sort of 50 metres. But um, we followed Il Paradiso once we purchased Harpo Marks. So this team runs second in the Melbourne Cup. Gave us great confidence going forward. So where is he? Uh, what are you planning for Harpo Marks? Well, we bought two over at the Tat Sale and they've both arrived here in, in Australia. Uh, Harpo Marks has been given to Bjorn Baker. And uh, another horse we purchased called Spirit Ridge will go to Mark Newnham. And both of them, uh, we'll, we'll let them go up through the grades uh, first. firstly, but I, I suppose their, their targets will be the spring next year. Uh, so we'd like to see them, you know, win a few races on their way to hopefully get into those better races. You love the Golden Slipper. You've won one, you've run second in another. Any idea of your total number of slipper starters so far? Yeah, I think if uh, if you if you want to include the old uh, uh, Snitterland and Doubtfully, I think we've had eight <laughs> runners uh, that we've been associated with in the last uh, eleven years, um, and we've won it and run second and run fifth. That's our best result. So you can really see that theme come through uh, from an early age. Whether I really, you know, loved horses like Terse and Burst and. I've been in love with the slipper probably, you know, from my teens right through and it's a race that's just captured my heart. Some people it's the Melbourne Cup, some people it's the Cox Plate. For me it's the Golden Slipper and always will be. Mm. And I and I guess our whole buying has been um, targeted that way uh, up until these internationals, um, which I think works for syndication because a lot of your mums and dads and smaller investors and, and your big investors, they don't want to wait. So if you can get that precocious mm. two-year-old, you're up and running without having to wait too long. Is the slipper in the back of your mind every time you open the pages of a catalogue? I would say absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we do, you know, think of other um, types of horses like your Derbies and your Oaks horses, but um, I would say first and foremost, particularly in the last two years we've, uh, with the, with the, the bracket um, the with the ASIC rules changing and and syndicators now being able to spend up to five hundred thousand or syndicate at five hundred thousand, mm. it's opened the door for syndicators to purchase some of these well-bred colts um, and try and get involved in the stallion game. So we've we've certainly tried to handle that in the last couple of years. Uh, time for War, who stood at stud, gave us a bit of a taste for that, and uh, we've got some lovely colts, and they're the sort of horses you need. You need the early running. 
you know, group one winning Colts with a pedigree page and a, and a great type to, to, to end up at start in Australia. Your current prominence in this business is attributable in no small part to the devotion and the support of your wife, Renee, who nowadays pursues her own career as a school teacher and leaves the horses to you. Yeah, Renee's been the backbone and the uh, great support of myself and Derby Racing um, from the early days of encouraging me into it. Um, she's supported everything I've done. Um, you know, we've got two lovely kids and she certainly um, spends a lot more time than probably what I do being so busy. She does a wonderful job as a mother and she's um, now an executive teacher and following her own career path, but she certainly likes to get to a race meeting, particularly some of the big race meetings. So she's been a wonderful support to myself. Now, the kids you mention are Isabella, who's seven, and a very gifted rider, you tell me, but too tall to be a jockey. I'm hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> she tells me she wants to be a jockey after after seeing uh, Ride Like a Girl with Michelle Payne. Mm. But uh, at the moment, it's Pony Club and Equestrian, but she's uh, she looks really good on a horse, a lot better than I ever did. And uh, I'm not sure where she'll end up. I think... Uh, a love of animals may see her down the veterinary path if she's smart enough at school. And Tristan is five years old with little interest in horses at this stage. Yeah, no, he's a, he's mad on his sports at the moment, which is great to see. Um, but uh, you never know. One of them may I often ask them, even at this early age, who's going to take over the derby racing business, and I get a lot of blank looks until I say, you know, you get to control the money, and they want to know how much and. <laughs> But, yeah, not a lot of interest there at the moment, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they go. I mentioned in the introduction that the Derby racing colours are very distinctive and instantly recognisable. You started out, though, with different colours, but you always felt they were not just quite right. Yeah, we started out with the navy blue and gold stripes and, and the logo. I loved them to begin with, but as time went on, you sort of, Feel they're not quite right, and over the years you refine and refine. We switched to the speed silks a number of years ago, and I think we've got it just right now. I, I, I love the look of the silks. It's a great advertisement seeing your logo on the silks, and it's um, great kudos to the racing authorities that allow you to have that these days. 30 or 40 years ago, they were all logos or anything with a commercial flavour was strictly off limits. Yeah, quite interesting. I'm not sure what the background of that was, but uh, it's great to see your logo, your colours. Um, it's so important. We talked about that um, in those first four or five years when Snitzerland and Doubtfilly mm. didn't have my colours on in the slipper, and it's so important to get your brand across mm. um, to, to the public. You tell me you've never become involved in the selection of jockeys for syndicate runners. You believe the trainer is best qualified to make that decision as to which horse suits a certain rider and, more importantly, which riders are available on the day. But I just wanted to make one point, Scott. It's interesting to note that two of your most important Group 1 winners, a spring champion stakes and a golden slipper, were ridden by interstate jockeys. Yeah, look, I wouldn't say I'd never get involved probably more in the early days I did when you're striving so hard for success, um, probably like the punter out there, you think a different jockey might help. So I was involved a bit in the early days, but these days, no, I'm pretty 
pretty much leave it to, to the trainer unless they ring you and ask for a suggestion. Mm. Um, they're usually all over it. But, um, yeah, we've had a bit of success um, using a jockey from left field or from from overseas or from interstate. Um, ben Mellon was an interesting one with She Will Rain. It's actually uh, what it was supposed to be Mitchell Bell who trialled her at the very first trial where she won by six lengths. Mm. Ben Mellon was up to ride something else. And uh, Gary... Mitchell Bell called in sick and randomly put Ben Mellum on and uh, you could never get him off ever since. So mm. it's funny how revolving doors can happen at sometimes in this game. I'm sure you've heard the old saying that reputations don't just happen, they have to be earned. And Derby Racing's reputation is fully intact and very, very healthy. Scott, you can oh, be very proud of the job you've done in 12 years and it appears uh, that you're here for the long haul. You love the business. Absolutely love it. Um, integrity is everything to me. Your name is everything. Um, you know, we're, we're going to make mistakes here and there, but you've you've got to really be doing the right thing by your owners, by your staff. I've got some wonderful staff behind me. Mark Holland, my right-hand man, has been with me for eight or nine years and is an integral part of the team, but all my staff. Uh, you, you can't run a business like this without the right staff and good staff. And if you look after them, they'll look after you. I've enjoyed our chat, Scott Darby. I better let you get back to the pages of those sales catalogues. Thanks for having me on, John. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.